Portland being the epicenter of all of this is actually a good thing. When you live in a place that has no exposure, (laughs) it can be really hard to convince people that there's a problem. But it's not that it's not a problem. You just don't see it because everyone's mostly white. This is in our bones in Oregon. People of color don't move here because of that. So I'm glad there's national attention on Portland and Oregon. And I'm glad that this is drawing racists out of the night and into the light of day. The pain is real and my chest feels tight. And though I'm scared, I will stay and fight. My name is Julianne Jackson. I'm 35 years old. I am a mama, an activist, and a public servant. I do mental health administration work, and I'm also a local musician. I can't take this skin off low-key. Sometimes I wish I could, so you wouldn't assume I'm bad. You could see that I'm good. So when things aren't shut down by COVID, I perform in venues all over Oregon uh, and at festivals. You assume I'm godless. You call me terrorist and thug. Never understanding if you'd let me speak, I'd show you love. Living in Oregon as a woman of color has been fairly difficult. I moved from almost an entirely black community in North Carolina to a very white community where I was the only black girl in my entire school. It was a complete culture shock. We're known for kind of being like this hippie liberal capital, but racism here is very covert and it can be really frustrating on a day-to-day basis. And it does happen daily. (laughs) I remember uh, the first time I got pulled over, one of my friends had taken me driving because I wanted to get my permit, which, you know, when you're a kid, you don't think like, well, I should probably wait to get my permit before I do that, you know? And we were driving and we were listening to gospel music. It was me and another black girl. We get pulled over. We tell them what's going on. They pull us out of the car, they handcuff us. They've got their hands on their weapons, like we're, you know, dangerous. They search the vehicle. And, you know, they've done all this before they ever call our parents. So raising children here is difficult as well. Having those conversations, especially with my son, it's hard for him to understand. Always be respectful to police. When you buy something in a store, you need to make sure that you always have the receipt. If you get in trouble at school and you are approached by a student resource officer, you are not to answer any questions. You are to have them call me right away. With white women, you need to be very careful. A girl can like you and say yes to all kinds of things. And if their parents don't, you could find yourself in some really hot water. Things that I really shouldn't have to to say to my son. (laughs) So George Floyd actually died on my birthday, and it kind of hit me in a weird way. We had had a protest here in Salem, the capital of Oregon, and that was my first experience with getting tear gassed and batoned and uh, a very militant police. And that moment forever changed my life. 
When I pulled up with a friend to the Salem protests and I saw rows of folks with signs that said my life mattered, my heart was just so full. I really didn't even know I had that many allies, I guess. And then as we marched together, you felt this power, you felt this acceptance. And then the police came out in riot gear. This has been declared an unlawful assembly for being crime of disorderly conduct. You are commanded to disperse this location immediately. If you do not disperse immediately, you will be subject to arrest. Turn around and leave now. They said that we had unlawfully assembled and then they started shooting rubber bullets, started shooting tear gas. Like, if I close my eyes right now, I can still hear it. Like, people are screaming, they're running around, there's smoke everywhere, you can't get out. And in that particular moment, like, my heart broke. And it was like, why? <laughs> All we're saying is that my life matters. It was absolutely devastating. You know, I, I probably will never trust the police again. And not that I trusted them very much to begin with. But at this point, unless it's dang near close to murder, I'm not calling the cops for anything. about a month and a half into protests. The numbers started to dwindle. People were starting to kind of talk and figure out, okay, what are, what are the next steps? You know, after the protests, that's when the daytime work starts, right? Everything was like starting to die down. Ridiculous, so. And then the feds got there and it was game over. Portland PD, clearly you see the National Guard. Um, ICE is out here as well. It was about a couple weeks ago that I went to uh, the protest up in Portland and there were federal agents there. They did not have any identifying marks, so they had no names, any way to tell them one from the other. They were in all fatigues, full riot gear. I was just walking down this line of military, and I remember just thinking, is this happening right now? Like, I never thought in my lifetime that I would see the military here against its own people. Are you proud of your uniform? You know, these are our heroes, right? Like these are people we put on a pedestal and they're here for us. What the fuck did we do? Don't point your goddamn guns at us. It, it further exacerbated everybody's just rage. That's the only word I can really use. People were not only afraid, but they were pissed. Oh, they're coming. They're coming. Yeah, watch out, y'all. Get behind the 
They started making shields. They started making their own, like, riot gear, so to speak. Uh, a lot of people carry umbrellas, more people wearing helmets. You see a lot more medics. You know, you see a lot more people with the little water bottles hanging off their backpacks to spray you in case you get tear gassed. I mean, it almost looks like military kind of on both sides, but it's like one's kind of like this weird, like homemade bedazzled, <laughs> like riot side. And then obviously you have, you know, people with professional military stuff. And the violence escalated exponentially on both sides. Go, go, Amanda, go, run, run. But on the protesters' side, there's very few people that I have seen that have been wantingly aggressive. But the feds have hairpin triggers. So basically, if you do anything that they have said not to do, everyone is, is punished. If they tell you not to shake the fence and you shake the fence, they're shooting tear gas at everybody. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. Like, they're not giving one solid fuck about anybody. The most frightening part about it is they are trained for war. So they are not taking into account that I'm a mom, that I have a day job, you know, that I'm a black woman who's fed up and tired. I've personally witnessed them batoning or basically beating protesters as they're trying to run away. It was said that they were, you know, sent here to protect federal property, but yet they're outside of federal property snatching people in unmarked vans. Definitely created a completely different dynamic than any of the dynamic I've seen before. I went up there was the night that Ted Wheeler came, our mayor, and I had white men push me or, you know, telling people of color to shut up. I mean, you're at a Black Lives Matter event, right? But also, I was helping uh, one of the Portland organizing groups lead the Wall of Moms March uh, on a particular night. I think it was the 21st. And I looked out and... Pfft, it was a, like a, a literal sea of people. Which was incredible, but also, you know, it kind of got me thinking like, where were you guys when this was just about Black lives though? <laughs>
you know, I would have done this work a long time ago had I thought anybody gave a shit. If I thought anybody would listen. So it's really interesting to me because I think a lot of people in the black community for the very first time are feeling heard. But now that the feds are here and the narrative has kind of changed, I kind of wonder how many people are here for black lives and how many people are here because of their own fear that their civil liberties are under fire. Because we're not going to leave New York and Chicago and Philadelphia, Detroit and Baltimore and all of these Oakland is a mess. We're not going to let this happen in our country. All run by liberal Democrats. Recently, we've heard about Trump bringing troops into other cities. This is an attack, you know, on real democracy. It's gone from, like, this distrust of police officers and this awareness that Black people have been dying at the hands of police officers for quite some time to our entire government (laughs) is based in racism. 